We the people. We the people. We the people of the United States. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Welcome back, my friends. It is Constitution Thursday on Afternoons Live with Dave and John. Text machine remains open, 565-DAVE. Article 4, Section 1 of the Constitution reads as follows. Full faith and credit shall be given in each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state. And the Congress may... By general laws, prescribe the manner in which such acts, records, and proceedings shall be proved and the effect thereof. It's otherwise known as the full faith and credit clause. It deals with the idea that states might have differing ideas about how to do stuff. But if we were going to be one nation, we were all going to have to say, well... If you've got a driver's license in, say, Oregon, that driver's license ought to allow you to drive in Georgia. And a few other things along the way that we will see in just a moment. You want to join us? Text machine 565-DAVE. Email Show at clearchannel.com. As well as on the web at kfiv1360.com. Eloqui conizio stand up. Tell those who oppose liberty, don't tread on me. So the American Revolution had been fought and obviously had been won by this point, but it had not been forgotten. And indeed, part of the issue with the American Revolutionary War was the the various 13 United States were just united in their hatred of England. They weren't necessarily (laughs) united in the sense of, well, we're one big country yet. And each state was required or asked to provide for the war effort. And many of the states would go out and they would raise funds for their militia units and their soldiers and so forth and so on. The state of Maryland hit upon a unique solution that some of the other states did not have. They decided to go to Holland, the Netherlands, to the banks in Holland, which were big bankers back in those days, and borrow a whole bunch of money to pay for their part of the Revolutionary War as it was ongoing. And then, of course, when the war was over... You know, Holland's kind of a third world country at the third rate power at this point. And, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> they're hardly a third world country, right? A third rate power is what I meant to say, but you get the idea. And so, Maryland, let's just say they made minimum, less than the minimum payments allowed on their credit. Mm, and, and you know what that does? That yeah. essentially doubles any services you put on your credit. That's right. That's why you don't want to pay that minimum payment. You want to pay it all off every month. Of course, the bankers in Holland, a guy by the name of uh, Vanderhorst, Vanderpoort, is it Forst? Or, I don't know if it's Van Trope Horst or Vanderhorst. It's Dutch. Who knows? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Okay. I won't. So the Dutch banker was, of course, upset by this and uh, followed along. And 
as things went and as things did, by by 1791, he had decided to file suit. And he filed suit against the state of Maryland, saying, you owe us back money from the Revolutionary War debt, and uh, we're here to collect. This was actually, John, the very first case ever docketed in front of the United States Supreme Court. The very first one. Really? Absolutely the beginning. And, of course, in the meantime, some things had taken place. As part of the compromise on you know ratification processes, who now held the debt for the Revolutionary War? Well, we did. The we? federal government. Yeah. Said, we, we now take on all these Revolutionary War debts. They're now ours, the, the federal governments, not the states. And we had a part of the Constitution that said that the court had its... Oh, I guess the best way to put it, it's, it's, well, its judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws and treaties, or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, public ministers, councils, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, to controversies between two or more states, between state and a citizen of another state, between citizens of different states, citizens of the same state claiming lands under grants, and so forth, and citizens thereof, and foreign states, citizens and subjects of. Maryland's argument in all this was, eh, we're, a, uh, we're a sovereign state now. We're sovereign, and we can't be sued. The Dutch bankers was kind of like, well, wait a sec. Yes, you can be. You're, you're, you're an entity. You can be sued, and you owe us this money. And in the meantime, the federal government's standing out there going, well, we actually owe this, but we don't have any money either, so I guess you're going to have to sue us. Neater, neater, neater. How did all this get resolved, you might be asking? We went to war. You'll notice that there (laughs) is no Supreme Court decision on this case because there was the realization on both sides that if this goes to the Supreme, if they actually sit down and decide this, we've all believed that the states are sovereign. We've all said that these cases could be handled this way, but it's it's not written in the Constitution that way. It doesn't say that it doesn't say it clearly that the states cannot be sued. And so, could be problematic. And everybody's afraid that, well, the Dutch are afraid that the Supreme Court will come back and say, no, you, you can't sue them. You've got to sue the federal government. And the state and, and the state the state's is afraid. afraid that they're going to come back and say, <laughs> they're well, say yeah, no, yeah, that's, you, you, you can't totally sue. can. You owe them that, even though the federal government's already set it up. And right. so they decided, well, we better settle this out of court. And, and they did. And it never actually went before the benches. So what did they do? They just went to paying them? Probably gave them some, uh, you know, some some port preference. I mean, they probably, I don't have the the details of the settlement here, but they probably made some arrangements with the Dutch trader. Because the Dutch like to trade. Sure. They said, you know, we got Baltimore here. Here's a, here's a pier for you. Well, and that's kind of a good point, too, because it's like, hey, you know, you if you want to get on the ground floor of this fledgling nation, you right. know. Right. Give us a break on these debts. We can work something out. Should this action be maintained, one great national question will be settled. That is, that the several states have become a mere corporation upon the establishment of the general government, for a sovereign state cannot be sued or coerced by the authority of another government. Should this point be supported in favor of the cause against Maryland, each state in the Union may be sued by the predecessors of their public securities and by all their creditors. And likewise, the Dutch were just as equally afraid that they might lose. Which brings us to the great state of California. 
our home, John, our beloved state in the entire union, which, by the way, wasn't around back in 71 when this, well, I mean, it technically was here, but it was here, but it wasn't this. It wasn't ours at that point. We're a guy by the name of lived. Now, Mr. Hyatt is, I don't know what he does, but he's obviously an entrepreneur of some type. He has a business and he's invented something. Lives in California, or he's on the cusp of inventing something. John, however you want to, however you want to look at it. Okay. And he's decided that back in 1992, I believe is the year of this, 1992, he's decided that California, well, it was 1991, well, it was, yeah, 1991 and 1992. California, he's decided, is a little bit steep on their, on their taxes. And wouldn't it be better to start my business dealing with this widget in another more tax-friendly state, say... Texas. Nevada. Okay. And so he moved to Nevada. <laughs> Who am I to tell him where to move? Right. I mean, you can go wherever you want. It's a great country. <laughs> so he moved to Nevada. And in 1992, he did not file state income taxes in the state of California or filed partial income taxes, claiming that he had moved to Nevada mid-year, and that therefore he did not, um, all those things. Amazingly enough, John, just before the state of California sent him a bill, a, a huge tax bill, based on his little entrepreneurial ship there going, oh, you've done this bill for it, on the order of some uh, several millions of dollars. Right. But he said, no, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm a Nevada resident by then. You don't get that money. Sorry. Right. The Franchise Tax Board, of course, everybody's friendly tax board here in California said, well, you know what? Let's sit down at the table with a cup of coffee and some sandwiches and kind of talk about this. And, and you know what? We'll look through the records and see what we can see. here." And so they did. And amazingly enough, the franchise tax board came back and said, no, you're still a California resident. You have to pay. And in the meantime, they began to send letters to him. And they began to annoy, do things like franchise tax boards, have been rumored to do to, you know, collect on a tax debt. Like what? Oh, calling a visits, committing torts is what the actual case is accusing them of. To the man that lived in Nevada. He got fed up with the harassment from the franchise tax board for a bill he did not believe he owed. So he filed a court case court in Clark County, Nevada, saying, make them stop. Right? Make them stop this. This is nonsense. I'm not, I don't, I don't belong over there. They, they need to stop. And the court looked at it and said, full faith and credit shall be given to each state in public acts, records, judicial producings of every state. Congress may just, says, huh. so it sounds like there's not much we can do about it. Especially since Nevada California, I don't know if you California. knew this or not, but California has a law that says you can't sue the franchise tax board. You can't even, you can't, there's no remedy for them if they, if they do commit a tort, if they do step, you know how when bill collectors, there's lines, there's so far they can go. That doesn't apply to the franchise tax board. They can pretty much do whatever they want. Because you can't sue them. Because you can't do nothing about it. So the court looked at it and went, that's incredible, what do we do? Well, I, I, initially the court said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. So they appealed it. And eventually this made its way, believe it or not, all the way to the United States Supreme Court. 
Not the issue of whether or not he's actually a California resident or not. Not the issue of whether or not he actually owes the money or not. But whether or not whether Nevada or not the court could compel can California to stop, right? Can they even decide whether or not to tell him to stop or not hmm. is where we started out. And that's where we leave it for just the moment. In 1992, as this whole thing kicks off, it's Afternoons Live, Constitution Thursday. Stay with us back right after. By the way, John, the uh, Mr. Hyatt had received a licensing fee. He had sold an invention that he had. And received a substantial fee for that, as he put it, after he moved to Nevada. As the state of California said, no, before you moved to Nevada. State of uh, California wanted, are you ready for this? Mm. Some $400 million. That's what they decided, that's what the Franchise Tax Board decided that Mr. Hyatt owed. He owed them $400 million. $426 million. In back taxes, because he, he hadn't. Get, did he get paid three billion dollars? Who knows? But I, I'm sure that it wasn't anywhere near that. I'm sure that it was a hundred million. And then you know, p- penalties and fees. Because if you don't, uh, you know, they start tacking those things on right away, and it adds up pretty quickly. If you've ever had to deal with the franchise tax board, you know that they're full. They're stock full of just friendly people who are there to help you solve your problem. And as long as you pay them what they say they owe you, what they say you owe them, uh, you'll get lots of help. Mr. Hyatt did not. He kept saying, no, I went out. His, his, his suit, by the way, was a countersuit in Nevada. He, asked, he said that the uh, Franchise Tax Board of California directed numerous and continuous contacts at Nevada, committed several torts during the course of the general audit, including invasion of privacy, outrageous conduct, abusive process, fraud, and... Negligent misrepresentation. Hey, can we talk to Mr. Hyatt? Yeah, who's calling, please? Oh, it's Sears. No, it's the California Franchise Tax Board. Got you. He, um, the, the district court, of course, they, they were very nervous about this because of this full faith in closet, uh, credit clause. They didn't really want to deal with it. The California Franchise Tax Board actually filed a petition with the Nevada Supreme Court for a writ of mandamus, which is a... Um, uh, an attempt to an force, awesome name for something it is, but it's an attempt to force the court to make a ruling. Okay, you you have to rule on this. You you can't not just buy this off. Um, but while the petition was pending, the California Trans- uh, Franchise Tax Board filed a motion in the district court for a summary judgment or for a dismissal for lack of jurisdiction because California's law says neither a public entity, CTFB. Or a public employee is liable for an injury caused by instituting any judicial or administrative proceeding for action for or incidental to the assessment or collection of tax or an act of omission in the interpretation or application of a law relating to tax. I know I read that and people kind of go, we actually have a law that says that the franchise tax board forgets to tell you something. That's your problem. You can't, you have no legal remedy in dealing, you can't say, well, they didn't tell me this right, and therefore I'm suing them for, uh, no, you can't do that. We have a law here in California that says that. Because the full faith and credit cost says that Nevada is supposed to uphold our laws, they're stuck in all of this. Right. 
Of course, the full faith and credit clause is determined. The Supreme Court looks at it. They want, they, they're going to look at three contexts here. They're going to determine when a state must take jurisdiction over claims that arise in another state, if that can happen. And number two, they're going to limit the application of local state law over another state's law in a multi-state dispute. So if one state has, you know, a stupid law and the other state doesn't, well, you can't really enforce that law over here, which is kind of where we're at here. Limiting the application of a local state law over another state's jurisdiction. And number three, recognizing and enforcing judgments rendered in sister state courts. Now, you can make an argument that the rendering of a judgment in California wasn't necessarily a court ruling, but it is a judgment entered into the court saying this guy owes us $426 million and we want that money. Check. All the way to the Supreme Court this goes, where Justice O'Connor delivers the opinion of the court. That was in uh, 1991, by the way. She delivers this opinion of the court in, uh, in April of 2003. So we're already 10 years into this. Right. So now um, has the number, I mean, is, is, the, is the franchise tax board still tacking on fees and stuff oh, all this time? I don't know that, but, you know, I know, a few, those, surprise I, you. I know a few of those friendly people over at the franchise tax board and uh, wouldn't surprise me if, okay. you know, I mean, we got to, because really, John, think about this. If they're tagging those on, they're, inter- they're accruing that as income. So that looks better on their books. It looks better on the state of California's books, right? <laughs> I see where you're going with that, yeah. Why wouldn't you accrue it? Right. Justice, well, we're expecting this money to roll in any day now. Let's right. spend it. Justice O'Connor delivered the opinion of the court. She said, and I quote, We granted the, the cert to resolve whether Nevada Supreme Court refusal to extend full faith and credit to California's statute immunizing its tax collection agency from suit violates Article 4, Section 1 of the Constitution. So they can't. We conclude that it does not. Oh. Therefore, we affirm the judgment of the Nevada Supreme Court. So they can. Bingo. So basically, okay, so so in a nutshell, in California, were he a California resident, he would be unable to sue the Franchise Tax Board of California for its practices because there's a rule here that says that you can't. But since he is now a resident of Nevada, and Nevada has no such law, and, and Nevada... It hasn't been- and it hasn't been shown that he's actually, only the Franchise Tax Board says he's not a resident. Right. So you're right. You're on the right So track. as far as Nev- and Nevada is concerned, this is their boy or whatever, and they're going to look out for him. And so now the Supreme Court has said, okay, yes, Nevada, proceed. You're allowed to now sue the, you know, on, on, on his behalf. Yep. That's cool. Where is it? Makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I mean like, like, I feel like, like that's, finally somebody standing up to the mighty CTA. That's a good decision. Well, but... I want to be clear. I'm a big fan of the California Franchise Tax Board. I love you guys dearly up there in Sacramento. You're, you're, you're right up there. There's, there's God, Neil Diamond, and, and the California Franchise Tax Board. Everybody heard you say yesterday that you hate them. Shh. <laughs> that was yesterday. It's been 24 hours. It's not that long. Maybe nobody. It's not on the tape. You'll never find it. All right. <clears throat> so, all right. So, this, I mean, in this case, obviously, it seems like justice was served. But our, well, I don't know if it is or not, because really all we've determined is that the Nevada Supreme Court is allowed to can hear the case. Right. That's really all we've determined. Yeah, they can hear this guy's suit against the California Franchise Tax Board. Well, and also, does this possibly have further reaching ripple effects that could not possibly have been foreseen at the time? Such as? Well, Unforeseen effects that could have been foreseen at the time or... Or not a point, but what 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 kind of things would you be looking at this going, oh, okay, maybe that's a good idea or a bad idea? 
Well, maybe it's a bad idea. I mean, I can think of there, there's, there, there's probably situations where you would want to make sure that the, that the state's decision was sovereign or something like that. What kind of situations would those be? I mean, let's let's look at some broad okay. discussions of, of things. Well, it's let's the say, elephant in the room. Let's say like issues of of, of criminality or something like that. Oh, okay, or, or, we can go that way. Or let's say, uh, you know, there's a prostitution is illegal in California. It's a good one. Let's prostitute moves to Nevada where it's not that big of a deal. Gets a job at the Bunny Ranch or something like that. I don't know, right? Sure, that kind of thing. Okay, or. Certain certain actions are illegal in the one state, but legal in another. Mm. For example, Georgia, for many years, in fact, I think just recently, finally repealed their laws against certain sexual acts. Let's just call them that. Okay. That were illegal under Georgia law. You could go to jail for that. Texas had <laughs> these same laws. Right. And actually arrested a guy some years ago for this. Who went to the Supreme Court because you're arresting me for having really? sex? Really? Well, it wasn't. I mean, wow. we, we, we somewhat tongue in cheek look at Russia today going, well, they've got this law saying you can't talk about. But really, I hadn't been that long here in the United States that right. we. Now, the fact that you don't enforce a law doesn't necessarily mean that it's not on the books. For example, we have every year there's an article that will come out usually in January about stupid yeah. laws that are still on the book. Like you can't chew gum while walking down the street in Boston or something. Nobody's enforced that law ever, let alone in the last. You know, hundred years. But technically, it's still a law. But technically, if some police officer or district attorney gets a hair, they're going to go. Well, I'm going to prosecute. I'm going to prosecute John for chewing gum while he's walking down the street. I, I don't know what you know. I've not read the entirety of Modesto City Code, but I bet you we've got some pretty stupid crap in there. Well, and it seems like a lot of the cases that we talk about, sometimes you know, they'll have something to do with one of those kinds of things. Like, wow, yeah. So there is a law in the books that says that this is not something you can do, and it was. You know, put into under under the books in eighteen something, right? You know, for reasons that have long been lost to history. Yeah, totally. And may have at some point made sense, or may have just been incredibly stupid. But is another state required to to honor that that judgment? If we, if if the state let's say Modesto, for the sake of argument, has a law that says no beards on the streets of Modesto, our uh, our police force, and I'm not pointing fingers or naming them. They arrest John, they try him, they convict him, and. In the meantime, he goes somewhere else with his beard. He's a Californian. He I'll can't. go somewhere beards are loved and legal. It, it seems silly, but but there really is a huge elephant in the room with this, John, and that is Prop 8 and gay marriage. Gay marriage is legal in California. It's not in Oklahoma. Does Oklahoma Is Oklahoma required to recognize a gay marriage from California? So what you're saying is, well, because a lot of uh, a lot of people did that, like, well, you know, they would go to Rhode Island, get married in Rhode Island and then go back to wherever they lived. Right. Uh, presumably about, legally married. What about this one? What about a, I saw this story the other day. The first gay divorce has been completed already in I don't remember where some state, not California, because we haven't had it long enough. But one of these states where it's been legalized, mm. first gay divorce is now legal. But divorces, if you've ever had one, are far more legally complicated than marriages are marriage i mean you go down to the you go down to the courthouse you get a license say hey yeah, you guys can get married you pay me 35 bucks you're, you're on your way <laughs> try to get divorced for that same 35 bucks yeah. ain't gonna happen and things usually end up requiring the services of at least two lawyers if not more along right. the way 
does a state that doesn't recognize gay marriage, is a state that doesn't recognize gay marriage required to honor and recognize the ruling of the gay marriage if they don't from another state? What if there's custody issues involved here? What if there, see, it, there's all kind or even property issues involved. <sighs> what if there's a, what if there's a huge in, you know, retirement somewhere that's got to be divvied out somehow or another? Yeah, dude, that is kind of, uh, that's kind of a mess. The purpose of, of course, this full faith and credit clause was to kind of cut down on that sort of thing happening, like state and additionally states passing laws in, te- what do you mean Rhode Island passed a law saying you can drive 65? No, you can't. Rhode Islanders in New York can only drive 50, and they can target a law saying Rhode Islanders only drive 50 to kind of cut down on that, to make it, to make it as James Madison wrote in the Federalist Papers, a more harmonious country. And in many ways, it's been successful. I mean, you have to admit, for the, for, for the most part, okay, there's four years in the middle of the century, the last century, that two centuries ago, that was you know, a little rough there. But for the most part, it's been fairly harmonious. But we're headed into a scenario now where, and I've said this for five years, there are some states that are not going to react well to this. They're, they're not going to, they don't like being told they have to. This is why the Supreme Court needed to rule on this instead of punting it. The Supreme Court rules on it, it's done. It's the law that may not like it, but it's done. Now we have a situation where full faith and credit, that suit's coming soon. You, can, you write that in stone. Because some gay couple is going to move to a state where gay marriage is not rec- you know, recognized, and they're doing it purposely to file that suit. Rightfully or wrongfully, these things are coming. Something to think about. It's half past the hour, 565-DAVE, 565-3283. And by the way, Mr. Hyatt, we'll leave him for the moment, um, countersuing the Franchise Tax Board for the same amount, $426 million. And uh, eventually, we're going to get back into court. So now he wants it from them. Right, right. Saying, quit bothering me. Stay with us back after. Well, John, welcome back. It's Afternoons Live with Dave and John. It's Constitution Thursday. Full faith and credit, which sounds like such a simple idea, doesn't it? Full faith and credit shall be given to all the other states by each other state, and everybody will get along harmoniously, as James Madison wrote. By the way, this act, this uh, this section of the Constitution is lifted almost, it, well, it is lifted verbatim from the Articles of Confederation. So this was not a new I idea. I figured, yeah. <clears throat> Because they would have had to have something in place to kind of, you know. In amongst all the arguments about judicial uh, issues and jurisdictions and 11th Amendment cases and all those kinds of things, uh, back the case went of Mr. Hyatt to the Nevada courts. And on uh, May 11th of 2012, 2012, 2012, we're now into uh, nearly 20 years. The court issued an order scheduling additional oral arguments for June 18th. This court has determined that additional oral argument would assist in the resolution of the matter. Unquote. By the way, Mr. Hyatt is an inventor. He's got 70 patents to its name, to his name. Mm-hmm. And he feels like, um, you know, they're trying to take all his patents away from him. He's trying to protect all this stuff. The justices peppered both sides' attorneys with questions during the hour-long arguments. The nature of the questions, however, did not reveal any hint of how the court will rule. 
What did he invent, by the way? It's it's a computer, some sort of computer technology thing. It doesn't really get into what he actually invented. Okay. But whatever it was, was obviously worth Something. quite a bit. Yeah, oh, and, somebody. Oh, and let me throw the other kicker in this, because you know these stories. You know how they wind about like Get Shorty. Right. <clears throat> the company with which he sold the money, the, the invention to is based in what state? Nevada. Nevada or California? Oh, probably California. Wrong. No? New York. Okay. New York. Okay. <laughs> that's called foreshadowing. See, that's uh, that's where we give you a, a an idea of what might yet be to come. Oh, boy. Good shows use foreshadowing. And this is, of course, a good show, and that's why we, we do that. So, of course, we, of course we foreshadow. Uh, Patricia Lundvall is a private attorney representing the Franchise Tax Board that we're paying for because the Franchise Tax Board is us, said in her opening statement that if this $490 million with interest judgment was against the Nevada Department of Revenue instead of California's tax agency, the court would, quote, reverse it in a heartbeat, unquote. Comity between the states dictates that the Franchise Tax Board is not to be treated worse than a Nevada agency, she said. She argued that the Franchise Tax Board has the right to gather evidence in a residency case and cannot be sued for discretionary choices made during audits. Questioned by Judge Michael Douglas about how this position squares with the jury's ruling that the Franchise Tax Board's employees engaged in fraud and acted in bad faith, she responded that, quote, the FTB uses its judgment in gathering and weighing evidence. The jury found that the Franchise Tax Board was abusive, fraudulent, and acting in bad faith. The California Franchise Tax Board, whom I love, their defense was, well, we use our best judgment. Are you getting that, that weird feeling in the pit of your stomach right yeah, now? Yeah, dude. Like, like, well, it's up to us to decide what we want to do. And if this was your people, you'd be, you'd be screwing this guy. See, that's her argument. Is if this was if this guy was if this guy was in Nevada, Nevada you'd be screwing him over, and right. you're not letting us screw him over. But they're saying, well, he was in Nevada, <laughs> you know, and they didn't. So he won the case in Nevada, obviously. Right. California Franchise Tax Board appealed it. They lo- they will lose again, <clears throat> and they will appeal again. This time to New York. They will try to go after him in New York after all of this is said and done. And that actually is where we are right now, John. That that uh, most recent ruling came down just a couple of months ago in New York where the court said, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and hear all the arguments about this up here in New York. It's now 2013. It is now 21 years after the fact. Wow. How much money do you think that the state of California Franchise Tax Board has spent acting in bad faith and fraudulently chasing this guy for this money. For like $400 million. Well, it wasn't that. That's with, that's with interest and tax and right. penalties and everything else. It was probably, I mean, I'm just guessing here, probably around $100 million maybe. That they spent? No, no. That, that, oh, the, that they that initially wanted. Right. right. And then they tacked on all this other stuff on top of it. You, I would say somewhere, at least somewhere in the millions, probably. Has it been point. worth it? And now we're in New York. Now we're sending lawyers to New York to argue about whether this is the full faith and credit clause as to whether or not, by the way, the state of New York says that um, the problem here is that there is no full faith. The state of New York makes a very interesting observation here. 
that there's no judgment against Mr. Hyatt. The, no court has said, yes, he owes this money. So they say, well, because the full faith and credit clause applies only to judgments, we can hear the case. Interesting. We can we can go on and continue this yet again over here in New York. Where That's certainly one way to look at it. Once again, they will probably lose in all of this. And in the meantime, the state of California, we, we keep wondering why the state of California is hemorrhaging businesses yes. and, and broke. <laughs> I mean, really, at what point do you just go, the dude doesn't live here anymore? Okay. Do what? Oh, man, I'm out of time. Afternoons Live, KFIV, KWSX. Back in just a moment. So, John, I'm not naive here, and I'm not a beast of burden. I am not. Somewhere along the line, Mr. Hyatt, who invented, who holds over 70 patents, came up with a really, really money-winning idea. And as he got ready to sell this idea, he realized that he lived in California, and... Well, he might want to talk to a tax attorney or something somewhere and go, well, what should I do? I keep a lot more of that money if if I I lived somewhere else. Right. So he picked up stakes and he moved. Just before he received all of that money. State of California, upset about that. But is this really all that unusual? I mean, think about this for just a moment. It was back back in the 70s and 80s, back when there were uh, sports teams up in Canada that were professional sports teams. Uh, Major League, the Montreal Expos was the the main element of this. Players in the major leagues, when free agency came along, didn't go to Montreal because the taxes were so high, and and literally they weren't going to pay the. That's what they. I'm not going to pay those taxes. I'm not going to live up there. I'm not going to work up there. Are you crazy? It wasn't that long ago that we had the story of. You're going to have to forgive me. I don't know his. I can't remember his name. I'd know it if I saw it. He's played for the Los Angeles Lakers last year. Not a very popular Dwight Howard or something. I'm not a basketball guy. Dwight Yoakam. He just went to the Houston Rockets. And the reason he he acts, his contract is actually for less money with the Rockets. But if you run the numbers, he'll keep more of it playing in Houston than he would have here in California. So it's kind of a, uh, yeah, so so net he's making more. So state of California going to go after him saying, oh, you're not, you're still a resident all here in California. This happens all the time. People look at this and they do. They make the best decisions for themselves based on taxes. The uh, story of the the golfer guy that won won the Open or whatever it was, and all of a sudden in California, he, he was tweeting about the fact that he was going to get screwed over sixty percent taxes here in California. It's interesting that instead of instead of maybe lowering taxes and giving more people a reason to stay or even right. to come to California to do business and stuff like that. They're, they're, the solution is to raise them. What, what are you, insane? And then go after people. Right. Spending millions of dollars. You know? Losing cases where are the franchise tax board, who, again, I want to be clear, I love these people. They are the one most wonderful people on the face of the planet, were acting in bad faith and fraudulently. They were found guilty of doing that in a court of law. It's this idea of hiding behind the shield of, well, you can't sue us, and so the, four, the four, Article 4 says... Other states have to protect that is getting quite a workout. First in Nevada, now in New York. I'd like to say I, I believe that New York will come to the same conclusion Nevada did, but you know we'll have to wait and see on that one. 
it's interesting when you get into taxes because, of course, taxes are the reason. When you, it's probably not the main reason people move around, but a lot of people do move around because of tax consequences and considerations. Some people do. There are other issues that, of course, come before the courts. There are some states that, you know, have reciprocity agreements with, with particular things like driver's license. If you have a Washington driver's license and you move to California, well, we like you. We can just trade your license in. But if you come from Rhode Island, well, you got to take the test. Seems unfair, doesn't it? Those are the kinds of things that, that the, the, the framers were looking at for, for harmonious relationships between the state, and they wanted the states to get along, and they wanted people in this country, because in those days, John, they wanted people to move from the eastern states west, and they wanted to make sure that as they did, they kept the same privileges and immunities, which is actually the next clause. They wanted to make sure that they had the same abilities to function. And yet here we are, 238 years later, and... Uh, some states don't seem to have learned that lesson. If the state of California had the brains that God gave cabins, see, now it's an ego thing, isn't it? That's the point we've reached right. here. It's no longer whether or not it's right it's or principle. wrong. It's, it's, well, oh God, we can't let him get away with it. We can't lose. And so how much more money are we going to waste flying all the way to New York to try to screw over Mr. Hyatt? Instead of just saying, you know what, we lost. Our, our agents behaved despicably, fraudulently, and incorrectly, and oh, by the way, that's not a matter of discretion. Right. You either do the right thing all the time, you protect the people's rights, and I would expect the Franchise Tax Board and the IRS to know that. It's a whole lot easier to get money out of people if they don't feel like you're threatening them. Just say it. Maybe if we'd have treated Mr. Hyatt a little bit differently and said, well, he's a resident of Nevada. We can't just go charging in here, harassing him, violating his privacy, at all, because we're the California Franchise Tax Board. Maybe at that point he would have said, hey, you know what, let's, let's, here's a hundred grand. Who knows what the decision would have been? But instead, here we are, 21 years later. 21 years later, in yet a third state, doing what? What have we accomplished? Zip point nada. Other than we, the citizens of California, have learned that if you get into a tit-a-tit, tit with our franchise tax board, and they behave in a fraudulent manner, and you're not in, and you're still here in California, well, that's just their discretion, and they can do that, and you're screwed. How's that make you feel? Is that what the framers had in mind as they put this thing together? I don't think it is. It's time for the state of California to learn a lesson. And let this thing go. <sighs> Sorry, I get fired up when I start talking. Oh man, that's crazy! I've been it's going insane. after it for twenty years, years and quarter after quarter, saying you guys are out of line, and they're still like, no. Well, that's what I said. It's an ego thing now. There's yeah. no logic to this fight anymore. Right. Now it's just a oh, we lost. Well, that can't be. Now they're just being jerks about it. They've gone to New York for God's sake. <laughs> insane all right that puts the wraps on uh, constitution thursday hope you learned it enjoyed it hope you learned something tomorrow we got fun with news john i'm so looking forward to that and top five things i wish i did not know again i caveat this by saying my number one is not arable right it's, it's you've heard it if you've listened to this show for long enough you've actually heard it but i i, I can't bring myself to do it again i do have a pretty good list though 
I put it. Uh, I, I kept waking up last night because Ben was scratching. Yeah, and I would think of something else, and so I would and text, be like, ah, I would email it to myself <laughs> so I wouldn't forget. Right, what I was afraid to do. Top five things I wish I didn't know. Email your list, Dave Diamond Show at ClearChannel.com, or text it in five six five. Dave, take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there, so don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. I'm Dave. That's John. Have a wonderful evening, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow for a fun Friday episode of Afternoons Live right here on KFIV 1360 AM Modesto, KWSX 1280 AM Stockton, everywhere in the universe via the iHeartRadio app on your smartphone. Stay tuned. Rusty Humphreys is next. And over on KWSX, got Stockton Ports Baseball about an hour from now. See you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great night. Afternoons Live is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for Clear Channel Media and Entertainment Modesto.